A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello World Game Changers and welcome back to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today a returning guest, Raksha Dariani and she joined us on the previous um, on a previous episode you may recall and we spoke about how storytelling helps us overcome fear. So without further ado, Raksha, a very very warm welcome to you. Hi, good morning, Paul. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> so on the previous episode, Raksha, um, first of all, please, I, I get the feeling that I didn't pronounce the surname correctly again. I've got to think about this with guests. Uh, help me out <laughs> <That's> here. <laughs> that's okay. It's Darianani and it's, it's, it's hard for everyone, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so now we've got that one out of the way. Um, so yeah, any kind of afterthoughts, Raksha, from the previous episode we did? No, no, no. I thought it was a very interesting topic. And there's, I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole talking about it. So I think the way we ended it was was great as it is. I didn't really go into more depth afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So just a brief recap on that, listeners. I mean, you know, Raksha and I did, you know, um, I use the metaphor many times with guests around we go all over the dance floor because we do. And I think that's the beauty of a conversation that we can, you know, I don't know, we're all different, of course. Some people like uh, conversations to be very structured, very concise, very on, you know, matter of fact, on point. Others just like to, um, and I'm going to use this term, waffle. And I think there's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle. But um, I mentioned that in the context of one generally, how we communicate as humans. You know, we find a mode, don't we, that suits us, you know. Uh, and is it fair to suggest, Raksha, that the more introverted of us um, probably don't like to communicate? You know, we like to keep our, our thoughts to ourselves and... You know, mm -hmm. and those are more extrovert or, you know, we just talk and we can talk about anything and everything. Any thoughts around this introvert versus extrovert and how we tell our story? Um, I think I think it's not as much as it has to do with uh, how we tell our story, but what we're energized by. I mean, I grew up um, being told I was an extrovert, but as I grew older, I realized that that's not true because when I'm around a lot of people all the time, I feel exhausted. Mm. So I like spending time with people, but not for extended periods of time. I need time for decompressing and I also need lots of time alone. So I think that's where the difference comes in. I think we're both great at the way we communicate. Maybe the way we approach another person is different, but I think communication itself, um, there's, I haven't noticed much difference. I've noticed introverts being great public speakers, extroverts as well. So I think, again, it comes down to the part that energizes you and how much time you need to decompress and and just be out there more. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 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 that I, I love that because you know I think we can get so guided by labels. I am introvert, you are extrovert, or vice versa. And there's almost a kind of expectation, or dare I say even a, a generalization or a stereotype that goes with that. Mm. Um, and in some ways, Raksha, I don't know about you, but I found that that can put a lot of pressure on, on, on me as an individual because people expect that I will perform, you know, because they perceive me as X or Y or Z. And, you know, this is why I like what you're saying around this, you know, you use the word decompress, but for me, what I'm hearing there is it kind of, you're bringing your, your energy back to you. The one person that really matters in, in your life is you. And, and I love that because I think as humans, we kind of don't do that too much. We play to the orchestra. We meet those expectations or try to meet those expectations, you know, those labels. And I just find it so, so, so tiring. I don't know about you. Yes, I agree. I think it also, it, it's not only a piece of pressure for the outside world, but also for yourself, because you start to internalize this dialogue that I am so-and-so and I am expected to perform so-and-so in so-and-so manner. And yeah, that can be perpetually exhausting, I think, because everyone expects you to be available or, or ready and, and, you know, it's very hard saying no from that viewpoint. And I agree with you too, that we don't decompress or rest or take some time for ourselves enough. And I think that's become increasingly important in the digital age that we live in. <clears throat> Sorry. And it, it's harder to disconnect for us because a lot of us are working from home. A lot of us are working on the computer. So you, there's a lot of distractions. So you can always go from work mode straight to unwinding by going on social media, but then the brain is still not getting its rest or you're watching TV for long hours. So the part where you can actually offload all that energy that you've picked up during the day doesn't happen as much as it used to before. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of... Um antidotes to fear you know the stories we tell ourselves and how that can be an antidote to fear i want to introduce the fun word i'm just wondering as storytellers and maybe i'm being a bit you know too subjective here about you know the storytellers that i've been involved with um over, over the years over the decades and i'm not so sure and this is a question i ask myself so i'm really interested in your thoughts and reflections on this but do we, as storytellers, do we inject as much fun into our stories as what, you know, as what we could do? Oh, wow, that's a hard question. Uh, I think, I'll speak for myself, I would, I would like to inject more fun. I sometimes feel I can get a bit serious in, in my writing. And, um, and I think, I think it would be important to start off on a lighter note, to engage the reader or the listener, whoever is, is, is engaged in your story, um, to give them something more than just, you know, the heart of the story right away, or to, to pass a few laughs along, because that's hard to do, and that's a real art to make people laugh. So, yeah, I, I think from my side, I know I, I'm lacking. I can't speak for others. <laughs> 
Right, so, okay, you've heard me mention the word antidote, listeners. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest an antidote to the, uh, the good lady herself. So how about, in the interests of fun, tongue-in-cheek, this is tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. I think fun, uh, or singing songs, or attempting to sing a song, or music, or what have you, is a great fun way. How do you feel about us doing a song? on this podcast together. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With an early morning voice, that's going to be very interesting, Paul. I think that the whole essence of your podcast might just be... I don't know. It, it, I think this is very, <laughs> goes against the whole sanctity. <laughs> well, it's but, case in point to Raksha, it's made you laugh. And, yeah, it's, yeah. It, and it usually, most times, evokes that reaction from a guest. They yeah. usually laugh or just freeze with fear. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think the idea is funny, but I think, I don't know if anyone would consider hearing that would be funny. <laughs> Well, um, it is, I mean, from a personal point of view, from a host point of view, it's something, you know, um, I have been known on more than one occasion to break out into song inadvertently for no other reason. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, a phrase or a word or a set of words might be used by a guest and it'll spark as a music person, it will spark something in me Mm -hmm. because from an early age, when people are talking, um, I don't know. I kind of almost naturally mm-hmm. align with what they're saying, with a line from a song or a, you know a meaning from a particularly ballads. Mm-hmm. So that that's you know so on that kind of spontaneously, then I kind of react and just burst out into song, which um, I've got to say I think generally is, is kind of well received mm-hmm. from from feedback. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about that, Raksha, over, over the years. Mm-hmm. What, why is that? And I think what it, one of the main answers, and I've asked, people the, um, uh, I've asked people the question as well. Um, one of the main things is people can relate in storytelling, in, in however we communicate that, to, excuse me, to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think when somebody, say like me, bursts out into song, it maybe reflects something in them that, oh, wow, okay, um, I wouldn't do that. It kind of touches that nerve of vulnerability yeah. and it creates that empathy, you know, that that glue between us as humans. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, the way you, you put it, I think. Whether we do it or, or not ourselves, if we see someone else opening up, we, we soften. That's true. Hmm. That is true. And I think that that goes for many things, not just uh, a song, but it, it's also about someone telling a very touching story or, or telling you, you know, or going through something and you see it happen in real time. Like if, if you see something on the road, you see someone, um, you know, uh, breaking down. I've seen people breaking down in the middle of the road and I, and I just feel so so touched by it and I think this is a human being um, going through their day and having a rough day and and having to stand there and, and let their emotions out that must mm. not be easy mm. so yeah I think those moments where, where we're just our true whole selves and not putting up any facade is are, are precious and I think they are relatable more than anything we, we tell people or we, we pretend to be 
Yeah, it's kind of drop being prepared to drop that mask, isn't it? You know, that, that mask that we wear as humans and for fear of being judged and, you know, and all the stuff we've spoke about earlier on with the expectations around labels. And I, you know, in, in the interests of vulnerability, Raksha, you know, for me, one of the, the things that I found, I just, you know, to a very large degree, to have, I just go out there all guns blazing and I just find that, listen, world, this is me. Um, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, great. Yeah. But this is me because I'm being true to myself. And I yeah. find that so much easier personally mm -hmm. than actually trying to manoeuvre my way through a stormy, choppy, metaphoric sea of what shall I say? What shan't I say? Will I be judged? You know, and all the mind games that we play with ourselves. And I just think, put it out there. Be honest, be open. Um, a lot of people are going to resonate. A lot of people are not because you're going to frighten them. And I know I frightened a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, by being so open and so vulnerable, you know, mm -hmm. and talking about, you know, using metaphors in my storytelling, factual things, actually, around the reality of life. And the case in point, I feel, is when we're telling stories, is not to shy away from the darker side of, of things that happen in the world, you know, mm -hmm. so-called taboo subjects, mm -hmm. for example, that, oh, you can't talk about things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Any any thoughts around any of that? Yeah, and I think and I think it also comes down to the society, the community you live in. I think there's communities that that are more open and more engaging, more um, supportive when you are your true self. But then there's other communities that that are they 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 shy away from that. They are more of a, a closed, reserved type of society where any type of expression of vulnerability or expression of, of seeking help or opening up is frowned upon or or is just met with very little reciprocation so i think that's something we need to keep in mind depending on where we live or d does it match because i mean i've lived in different places and that has been something that i noticed right away can i be my full whole self or do i have to put up a mask or do i have to pretend i don't feel i don't think i don't you know so it becomes hard if you have to do that day in day out I think a holiday is not even such a big deal because you're, you're there for only a few days but if you have mm. to live your life in a place I think it's good to assess what the culture is like and can you really fit in can you really be yourself does the society reciprocate that and if it doesn't are you okay with that because there's people who say I'm who I am no matter what I, I, I don't care and there's other people who say well if I'm the only one and it's so hard for me to to put up this, uh, to be myself every day, then maybe I don't belong here. So again, it becomes a personal choice. Uh, as for the, the question regarding, um, you mentioned regarding, in this, it was around the same thing. Please, could you remind me what the, the second question was? I don't know, because I'm in the moment. And, and that's another <laughs> thing. That's okay. another thing around the storytelling rapture, isn't it? Um, and I suppose we're all different. But for me, when I'm kind of engrossed in, 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 a, in a connection with somebody, storytelling, mm -hmm. I'm literally in that moment. And when mm -hmm. that moment's gone, you know, mm -hmm. case in point, you know, you've started to answer the question. And, and we do, we go down rabbit holes, don't we? And that's okay. I actually love that. Okay. Because I love that. 
you know, because there's, there's this kind of yet again, to use this word at the risk of overusing it, expectation that as storytellers, we're very cohesive, we're very, you know, seamless. No, we're not. And I think this, this speaks to vulnerability of, you know, when I'm listening to, to, to somebody that's telling me their story, I listen to the energy, not necessarily the words. And I'll come to the words aspect mm -hmm. in a moment, but the energy, what kind of energy are they conveying? And for yeah. me, Raksha, that's the essence of powerful connection and powerful yeah. storytelling. How are we connecting energetically? Yeah, 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 I agree. I think that's that's um, what matters the most. And again, that's the same essence when it comes to a place as well. So do you connect energetically better with the place or not? And I think then if we're talking about energy, we're talking about the energy of each person around you, which is affecting you, the, the, the rights that you have in that place, the values that are carried around. Is that something that you like? Is that something that you consider? And I think that's important to, to evaluate. Mm, very much so. So words, um, I think there's a study, I, I, I can't remember the originator, that in terms of communication, and obviously mm -hmm. communication is key when we're storytelling at the risk of stating the obvious, um, words account for 7% mm -hmm. of our effective communication, 38% mm -hmm. is down to our tonality, and 55% mm -hmm. is down to our physiology. I was astounded when I first, I mean, it was a few years ago when that was brought into my awareness. I was mm -hmm. astounded, actually. What, you know, words, 7%, such a low part of the communication process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I think it, I've, I've read this, this statistic before and it was surprising to me as well. But I think it really stood out when, it became only written text, like when you exchange texts with people or, or messages via any communication tool. And I think that's really, that really shows you, my gosh, what people interpret on their own, even if mm -hmm. there is no body language or anything. We, we focus on the person that we know or we have known or have heard, seen once, twice, or how many times in our lives. And then we, we put this little, we make this little avatar in our minds and then we, we allot a voice to it and we say, oh, they probably said it that way. It sounded like that. And you think, well, no, it didn't sound like anything. It's just written text. You have no grounds to stand on. And yeah, it was something that I would subconsciously do many years ago too. And I had to learn that, you know, there is no way you have any guarantee that the person said it that way. And the moment I removed that block in my mind, it also made me interpret a text uh, better. It, it took away all those extra things I was adding to it and also my own resistance to it. Like, for example, I don't like person A and person A was rude to me last time. And person A sends me a normal, non-harmful non text saying, can you please do A, B, C, or D? And then I think, well, it's person A. And because they did this last time, they will be writing to me in the same way. And I don't like them. And their text is awful. Mm. It's zero grounds, you know, zero grounds for, for feeling that way, for taking it. So we should take some things at face value. And that's what happens in, in when the person is around as well. We, we, we interpret 
things, we see things, we, you know, someone has their arms folded, someone is, has a little bit of a frown, and we take everything so personally that we're unable to connect to the message. We're just connecting to what we see. And I think that the onus is on both the, the speaker as well as the, the listener there. Mm. So that's that I think the speaker has, a, of course, a greater responsibility because you want to make sure that you don't communicate in a way that someone can misinterpret it. But also the other person, because our, all these preconceived notions are the ones that block us and, and create um, judgment and bias and, and just create an unwelcoming atmosphere for someone who's trying to convey a message. I'm, I'm gathering in the best way at that moment. Yeah, absolutely love that because what that speaks to listeners in what I'm hearing there from Raksha is never mind the stories we tell each other, tell others. What about the story we're telling ourselves, our internal dialogue? Mm -hmm. And surely that has to come first. You mm -hmm. know, we have to filter our own processes internally before we can effectively communicate externally. Because if yeah. I'm receiving that, you know, as you said, if I receive a text from you, Raksha, around, you know, whatever it is, and, and maybe I've got out of bed the wrong side and I'm in a bad mood or, you know, it's raining and, you know, I, whatever the context is. Um, I'm all of, I put it, I, I call it putting my sunglasses on. So if I put my sunglasses on, everything I see is going to be dark. Yeah. And so it's up to me as an individual first, what story am I telling myself before I can even hope to tell anybody else a story? Because if I carry on wearing those metaphoric dark glasses and my world is dark, I'm going to then tell everybody I speak to a dark story. And I think there's enough of those in the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's our lens. Our lens colors everything. And, and again, something, this is something that my husband taught me. He, he always tells me, he says, when you hear someone tell you something, remember there's another side to it. If there's someone else involved, of course, he says, if there's someone else involved, remember there's another side. So don't make up your mind too fast. And I thought that was one of the, the best things I learned because we don't know the other side. We just mm. take whatever someone says at face value. Of course, I'm not saying invalidate someone's story because yes, if you know, things happen, bad things happen. And you can understand that if someone was, for example, ill-treated at a shop or someone was discriminated at an interview, that is their experience of their reality. We can't be like, so what was the other side of the story every time? Because <laughs> that, mm. that sort of shows like, you know, there is no excuse for, for, for abuse. There is no excuse for, for discrimination. So when it comes to that, of course. But if someone tells you, oh, I don't like, like I said, I don't like Mr. A because he's like this, and you haven't heard Mr. A's side, then you thinking Mr. A is bad because a person told you that, again, is you buying into that colored lens uh, perception and going along with that and then ousting Mr. A for no reason. You have no reason for doing that. And it's hard. It's hard when you work with people. It's hard when you have friends because everyone is in their own little bubble and they're trying to influence each other subconsciously. And I see that a lot when I was working in HR. It was a, it was a hard thing because you're, you're supposed to be impartial, but it becomes uh, hard to be impartial when people you work with come and talk to you about other people and then they try to influence you and you say, well, 
good to know, but also not good to know, because if I, if I know more than this, then it's going to hinder the way I do my work. Mm. You know, so. Fascinating. I feel that, listeners, this is one of those topics, you know, how storytelling helps us overcome fear. We could, we could probably do a podcast on this every week for, for the rest of our lives. We really yeah. could. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's such an open and, in, in my humble opinion, fascinating topic. Yeah. But, um, you know, we all lead busy lives, Raksha, as you know. So we haven't got from here till the end of eternity to record podcasts. So I'm going to kind of um, ask you to just sum up and leave us with one thing in, in your mind, in your heart. What is the one thing if you was telling someone around storytelling and how it can alleviate or uh, totally eradicate fear. What would that one thing be? I would tie it into to what we face nowadays, the, the the cancel culture, as they call it. I would tie story. I would tie that into a little an anecdote, if you were to say. So suppose we're listening to someone telling a story. They say something we don't like or we think, oh, well, that's not right. Um, but we don't know the whole story behind it. But mm. instead of trying to understand that viewpoint, or instead of trying to see why they said that, or even ask them, why did you say something like that? Which I think engages the, the person on the other end to also think of their words and also to tell you, oh, I said this because this happened or that happened. We, we shut them out. We become distant. We think, well, I've heard that person. I would never want to listen to that person again. And on social media, it's even easier. I didn't like what you wrote, so I'm just going to block you, or I'm just going to unfollow you, or I'm just going to tell everyone you're awful, or I'm going to be even worse. Because there's, because there's trolls also who will comment under every post, you are like this because one day I saw you wrote so-and-so thing. And that becomes like a little, a little stamp for you forever because of something you said or did in that moment. So I think one thing storytelling can help us alleviate is that, is that cancel culture, if we, if we allow people to tell their story and if we allow people to um, be there and actually listen and engage and ask and not shy away from that difficult conversation, that fear that exists in society of having that confrontation will go. But that's something that we need to risk as a listener, as an audience. And I think it's worth it because you see it happen and, and canceling is not cool. It's really not cool and everybody makes a mistake. And again, like I'm saying, I'm not calling abuse and discrimination and all of that uh, a mistake to say, yes, you can forgive that. No, I think there's standards everybody adheres to that we say universally, this is unacceptable. Yes, of course. But if I today say, I don't like I don't know, I don't like a latte from Starbucks and you're a big fan of Starbucks and you don't like that, well, then you don't like me anymore. Is it grounds mm. for dismissal? That's all I'm asking. So objectivity and the more obje objectivity we can bring, the less fear we will have. Mm. Fascinating. So listeners, let's raise our cup of our metaphoric cup of coffee to what Raxi just said. I think that's a very, very... Uh, very good example of storytelling, communicated storytelling about storytelling. And um, 
This is not a story I'm going to sign off with now because, or maybe it is, you decide. In fact, you decide on the two episodes that you've heard Raksha and I discuss. I think, I think personally, I think it's been fascinating. I think we've been all over the metaphoric dance floor. Uh, we've gone down a couple of rabbit holes here and there, and all that's absolutely fine in storytelling. But you decide, see if it's reached you. And on that note, on that storytelling note, listeners, I'm going to sign off the way I always do by saying, Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond?